The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things, we'll just give our listeners a gentle reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. And the Star Sport podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, our guest on the show this week is Cork GAA CEO Kevin O'Donovan, who joined Kieran to chat about a whole host of things, including the latest on the Parky Cueve debt and the future of coach Kevin Walsh who had a huge impact on the senior football team this year. There's also lots on potential rule changes in the game and why O'Donovan thinks football has become unwatchable. So that's one to stick around for coming up in just a little bit. But first, however, let's round up just some of the big stories coming out of West Cork Sport this week. And there's only one place to start, really, which is Cork's brilliant win over Kilkenny in the All-Ireland quarterfinal in Croke Park on Sunday and Kieran we've spoken on the podcast in recent months about how Matthew Tooney's Camogie team just need to find a way to get over the line in some of these big clashes and they've done just that. Yeah brilliant win for the Cork Camogie team on Sunday in Croke Park they beat Kilkenny in the Ireland quarterfinal by one point two fourteen to two thirteen, and this was um this is important for a number of reasons first off it's a route through to the semi-final and obviously Cork want to get their hands on the O'Duffy Cup but they were playing the team that beat them last year's All-Ireland final. Uh, so Kilkenny were reigning champions, but Cork found what was needed to knock them out. So that's a, I think that's a huge boost for Cork going into the, the next round. And the semi-final just so happens to be against Galway, who have um, held the Indian sign over Cork in the, the last couple of seasons. So it's not getting any easier for Matthew Toomey's team. It's actually going to get harder but they'll take so many positives from the win against Kilkenny. It's it's the character and the resilience that they showed, Dylan, because there was one stage in the first half, Cork were one four to two points down. And I was watching it at home and thinking, oh God, this isn't this isn't looking too great because Cork weren't hurling well at that stage. And Kilkenny looked like they had a well, they had the upper hand and they were having the, the run at Cork. But then they just um they just took to the job at hand and by half time, they turned it around and Cork led by two points and that stretched to five points at one point in the second half. And OK, Kilkenny came back, but Cork held out to win by a point. And I think that's significant again, because with a piece in the star a couple of months ago after Cork lost the league final to Galway, and it showed that in the Cork have, have lost the last four major finals they've been in, the All-Ireland finals in 21 and 22 and the league finals in 22 and 23. And in all four games, Cork led at some stage of the second half, but they faded and they lost. So last Sunday for Cork to be leading in the second half 
and to hold on hold on to that advantage and to win. I think that's that, that's a big boost for this team heading into what's going to be a huge game against Galway, and that's on Saturday week in Nolan Park. It was interesting as well that um Matthew Toomey after the game, his his major emotion that he he was expressing was relief. Like it felt like a big hurt mental hurdle, not only for the team, but for him to kind of get over this game. 100% because he made reference too that the character of the team has been questioned as well. And that's coming off the back of those big losses to Galway and Kilkenny over the last couple of years. Like I said earlier, Cork have lost the last four major finals that they've been in. So that's that's a record that they, that they wanted to set straight as soon as possible. And they're going to have to do it the hard way this year. Okay, they're taking care of Kilkenny, but now it's Galway next up. And this is a Galway team that has beaten Cork three times already this year. They beat them in the league game up in Parky Cueve, but in fairness to Cork, that was a dead rubber because Cork had already qualified for the league final. Then Galway beat Cork in the league final in a game that mattered. And I know that that loss stung Cork because they had been going so well before that. And then in the open round of the championship, Galway won at home to Cork as well. So the, the recent form and the historic form of the last couple of years, it all points towards Galway. But if Cork want to win an All-Ireland, they, they have to beat the big teams. And the way I see this as well is Cork now have momentum coming off beating Kilkenny. They'll have confidence from the, from the performance and they'll know too that there's more in them because they were quite sloppy in the in that first quarter. They didn't play well. Matthew Toomey made reference as well after about he wasn't happy with Cork's conversion rate. So they've dethroned the All-Ireland champions while not playing as well as they can and they have room for improvement. And there's only two weeks between the games. So hopefully Cork can take that, like I said, that momentum into it. And a big thing too, Dylan, on on Sunday, Ashton Thompson came off the bench in the second half. Big player for Cork. She's been out since August last year with a cruciate injury. Orla Cronin came off the bench for the second game in a row. Laura Hayes has had her injury problems. She came on as well. So Cork are getting their big players back at the right time. Thankfully, we're finished with the dual fixture clashes. So they have access to all the, all the dual players. So hopefully Matthew Toomey will have near as full hand as possible when it comes to Galway on Saturday week. And just one more on this as well. Do you think, like, not to look too far ahead now, like, looking towards a final or anything, but do you think it might actually kind of benefit Cork that the fact that they've played Kilkenny in the quarterfinal, they're going to play Galway in the semi-final, and their kind of previous uh, big defeats against these teams have come in finals. Do you think that might actually give them a hand? Like like you said there, they're, they're, they have good momentum coming into this game then as well. Exactly, because there won't be as much pressure attached to the semi-final as, as, as there is in, in a final. And so as for context around that, in the final, everyone's watching. It's an All-Ireland final and the eyes of of everyone is on that. Even even um, fans who don't watch Camogie games, naturally, they'll, they'll, watch the, they'll watch the final to see what's happening. So this is a good chance for, for Cork, like I said, coming off the back of beating Kilkenny to have a real cut off this Galway team. And if, and if they can, if they can do that, They'll, they'll be playing either Tipperary or Waterford in, in the final. And with respect to both, whoever wins from the Cork Galway side will go in as favourites in, in the final. It's not to say that they're guaranteed to win the final because sport doesn't work like that at all. Um, Whoever wins true from Waterford or Tipperary will be quite confident too because they'll go in as fierce underdogs against either Cork or Galway. And I always think back to the to the, the Munster men's football final a couple of years ago during COVID, where Cork knocked out Kerry in the semi-final and they were playing Tip in the final and everyone expected, well, most people expected Cork to beat Tip and finally get their hands on the first Munster championship since 2012. And look what happened. Tip beat Cork. Cork had a bad day at the office. So 
that's the vagaries of sport that can happen. But if Cork can get past Galway, get into the final, they'll be after beating the other top two top teams in the country. And that should really set them up for a good shot at the final. But we need to get there first. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll be talking about that on the podcast, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Um, we'll move on now. And not to alarm our listeners, Kieran, but Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy have lost the race. Pair were back in the boat at the weekend in the World Cup, three in Lucerne. They lost after 21 wins in a row. So what's going on? Is this guy falling down? Is this the end of an era or, or what's the situation? I can tell people to relax, calm down, no need to panic. The boys will be back. Um, Like you said there, Paul and Fintan, they came when they won silver in the A final of the lightweight men's double at the Third World Cup regatta in Lucerne. Um, and they lost out by 0.09 of a second. So it's even less than a tenth of a second. So that's that's such fine margins. Um, but that, when it comes to rowing, you're talking about those fine margins. I always think back, Dylan, to 2015 in the World Rowing Championships. Um, back then, it was um, Paul and Gary were, were in the Irish men's lightweight double. And 11, the top 11 boats qualified for the Olympics in 2016. And that was September 2015. And Paul and Gary finished fifth in the B final, which was the 11th and final um, position, qualifying position for Rio. And they beat the Greeks by 0.28 of a second. So just a quarter of a second, they finished ahead of Greece. That, that got the Irish boat into the 2016 Olympics. Look what happened there. The two boys became world, world stars, Olympic silver medalists. And the journey for Paul hasn't stopped since then. Like he's got on to achieve great things. So when it comes to rowing, it's just to, to remember it is fractions of a second we're dealing with. So, okay, the boys will be disappointed. I think that they didn't win gold. They didn't continue their winning streak. But context is important here. They're just back in the boat together. This was their first regatta internationally since last year's World Championships that they won. Paul had his medical studies in UCC and he graduated back in May and that's why he missed the Europeans. They didn't get to the first two World Cup regattas. So, like I put on Twitter the weekend, is the lads are just in, in dress rehearsals. That's all. The band is back together. They're in dress rehearsals and expect them to hit the high notes in the in, in the months ahead. And that's the World Championships in Belgrade in September. There, um, Paul and Finton will be defending their world title, but that championships also doubles up as the first chance to qualify for the Olympics next year. So I would really expect a strong, a strong performance from Paul and Finton there. But what it does show is that this lightweight double field is quite competitive, and and the French double will take huge confidence from from beating Paul and Finton. They hadn't lost since World Cup three in Rotterdam back in 2019, and then that was their first regatta together in in that in the Irish boat, and since then they've been phenomenal. But I just think this was a, a rare defeat. And it was by such fine margins. If you didn't watch back the race, that Paul and Finton could easily have won it. It was just momentum took the French double over the over the line just ahead of the of the Irish boat. So no need to worry. Um Paul and Finton are still the best in the world. They are still Olympic champions. And I think we'll we'll see them back leading the field of the world. And do you think as well, um, in terms of timing, this actually might be almost a good thing like we saw Fintan uh, McCarthy posting on Instagram after the the racing fire equals lit so like you'd imagine that they'll just be raring to get back into the boat now that's yeah I saw the same Inst Instagram post yeah so that was it wasn't too cryptic by Fintan he was literally telling us that the fire is lit so these two lads are used to winning everything over the over the last couple of years and that's what they're they're a machine in that boat that's why they are the best in the world and 
they'll be disappointed that they didn't win gold. But like I said, in the context of what's to come, getting silver at, at a World Cup regatta, it isn't the worst result in the world. I think they'd have been proud of their record that they were undefeated in, in 21 races. And, and that's gone now, so they, they can forget about that. So maybe in one sense, that relieves a bit of pressure because they're not they're not defending this unbeaten title, this unbeaten run that's on the go for four years. But I'd, I'd expect them to bounce back at the Worlds because they'll get this body of work together between now and September. They'll be better when it comes to the World Championships in, in Belgrade. And that will lead us on then to another potentially huge year in 2024, which is an Olympic year as well. And just obvious, just to note too, what we're talking about rowing, is that the Irish Rowing Championships are on this weekend in, in Ascara. And from what I'm hearing, even though I don't have names, a couple of the high-performance Irish athletes will be in action there. So it could be a chance to watch some of the, the best rowers in the world um, in action on Friday and Saturday, Sunday. So keep an eye on southernstar.ie forward slash sport for more details on that. Yes, absolutely. And now we'll move on. And St. Oliver Plunkett are chasing their first county Junior B football championship title since 2007 when they face Ballyfehan this Saturday in Parky Ring at 3.30. But it's not just one title the club are going for, it's two, as the hurlers bested Ivleary last weekend to book their place in the Junior B County Hurling Final. So it's exciting times for the club at the moment, Kieran. Yeah, huge exciting. So Plunkett's players, fans, supporters, um, everyone associated with the club will be making a, a beeline to the to the city to park your ring for the next two Saturdays. So the, the first game is against Belly Finan. It's the County Junior B football final this Saturday, July 15th. And that is a 3.30 uh, p.m. throw-in. So fingers crossed that'll be the first leg of the double for Plunkett's. And in the following week on Saturday, July 22nd, again at 3.30 p.m., the Plunkett's hurlers are in action against Belly Clough in the County Junior B hurling final. So two huge games for Plunkett's and just a huge congrats to everyone involved in, in the club, Dylan, um, because it's a, what an achievement to be in two county finals on two successive weekends. Um, it's right or over stuff and the hope is that they can now go and finish the job. It'll be tough. It really will. Um, to get to the business end of these competitions and it's not easy. The Plunkett's footballers have been very impressive en route to the to the final. They did a good win against Goleen last time out. They beaten Garnish before that in, in the quarterfinals. They topped their group as well, I think, in the in their own Robin stage. So they've been going pretty well. But it's all about it's all about Parky Ring on Saturday and hopefully they'll get a performance and hopefully we'll have bonfires burning on the way home to West Cork on Saturday evening. Fingers crossed. And the same for the following weekend as well. Now, we'll be back in a moment where we'll be hearing from Cork GA CEO Kevin O'Donovan. We'll just take a quick break now first. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, welcome back to the Star Sport podcast. And we're just about to hear from Kevin O'Donovan. And Kieran, you spoke to him recently about a whole host of things. So it's a really interesting chat coming up. Um, before we get to him, a lot of the conversation kind of focuses around how O'Donovan thinks football has become unwatchable and the potential for, for rule changes going forward. So how do you see that kind of panning out in the next next little while for, for football? I suppose that's been the narrative of this year's All-Ireland Senior Football Championship where some of the games have been branded 
bore fest, boring predictable. I see Pat Spillane called the the Cork the Derry game drivel in his Sunday World column last weekend. So, um, and Eamon Sweeney was writing about it too last weekend, just about the was the tactics adopted in football now and, and what we're seeing. Like it, it is very defensive. There's a lot of defensive football uh, being played. I put up a video on Twitter during the Cork and Derry game where there was large sections of that game where there was nobody in one half of the field. If Derry were attacking, all the Cork lads were in their own half and all the Derry fellas had pushed up to even the goalkeeper. And it's just become um just become a hard watch. Some football games have become a really hard watch. It's not every football game, but some games are they're kind of they're not as Kevin Donovan will allude to quite soon. They're not spectator spectator friendly. So the, the common consensus is something will have to be done at some stage. And what that looks like is a rule change. What those rule changes are, I don't know. We'll hear from Kevin quite soon now. He he's proposing a couple of different rule changes, such as as an as maybe offside in Gaelic football, or are we talking about doing something with the with with the with the kick out? So that's something um that all football fans will be keen to keep an eye on in the in, in the next couple of months and possibly years. Like nothing's going to happen this year, obviously. So is it something for next year that we have to look at or, or the year after? But the, the the consensus is something has to happen. So that's where we start our conversation with Kevin now. First talking about the Cork footballer season. Then it leads into the proposed rule changes. Then we talk about Parky Cueve. So there's an awful lot to get through with Kevin. Given the starting point for the Cork footballers going into this season, Kevin, would you view what we've just seen as a very successful year for the Rebels? Yeah, I think definitely a step in the right direction. You know, we you couldn't be other than disappointed leaving Folk Park last Sunday. But in the context of where we've been in Division 3, flirting with the Talton Cup this year, now establish ourselves mid-table Division 2 team, certainly the graph was going upwards as the season went on. So very happy in that context. Obviously, John Cleary, all of us, we want to be a regular Division 1 team competing for Sam McGuire. So that's still in the in the distance, let's say. But certainly, I think the team tactically, physically, preparation, their own attitude, the, the setup now is all moving in the right direction. How can Cork so build on and capitalise on what we've seen this year and that almost renewed sense of optimism within the county? Yeah, well, I, I would have I would have said it to both squads at the end of the year, both hurling and football, is, is we think we're at base camp. The attitude is good, the fitness levels are up, the S&C is kicking in, but that's base camp. That's that's only going to allow you to compete. It's not going to put any silverware up on the up on the, up on the table. But I think the next phase for the footballers is is having settled things at the back, having set up rather negatively, like the modern game. It has taken us a while to embrace the modern game. I think the next phase now will be attack and and getting more expansive in our attacking play. And all the counties that have gone defensive have gone through that. They've all had to settle at the back first and then get more progressive as time went on. So I think the next phase for us now is increase the scoring rate right throughout the team and to be more expansive as we go. But I would still accept that the first thing to do was to batten down the hatches in defence. And I think that was done very well this year. What's your own thoughts on the way that football has evolved over the last couple of years? Like you said, said about it there, it's very kind of you set up from the back. And we saw it in Croke Park for Cork against Derry, and Derry are known for setting up as they do. They're they're quite a disciplined team in, in, in that sense. What's your own thoughts on, on the way football has evolved? Yeah, it might seem like a contradiction or a paradox, but I, I have a twin track approach to that. When I go to see Cork footballers play, the objective on that day is to win the match. And that is John Cleary's task is to win football matches for Cork, albeit that we know it's probably three or 
three-year project. It'll take time to get out of Division 2 into Division 1 and so on. As a spectator, I've said it, I think football is unwatchable. I, I, I think I got his support cock as a supporter or because it's my job. I, I wouldn't be going to an inter-county football match for, for a spectacle or for, you know, something that would, you know, blow your mind away in terms of imagination. So I, I separate them. I want Cork to win matches. We must play the modern game. We must set up defensively. But the rules are wrong. So I think the, the game has outgrown the rules that we have now. And I think it's the job of the rule makers to fix the game. It's not the Cork manager's job to fix football. It's his job to make Cork compete and win. But then if I put on my other hat as an administrator, as a member of the GAA, you know, I, as somebody who goes to Congress, I think that's where you fix it. And I, I think other sports have got there. Every other sport, really, every other field game has some form of an offside rule, and we don't. Now, our offside rule would be very different to any other sport. It will almost be offside in reverse, and the, the other sports have offside to prevent players going ahead of the ball. We need an offside rule to keep them up there. So I, I, I'd be very interested in proposals about always keeping three or four players in the opposition half. Now, that would worry me when I come back you know, and think of, you know, junior football throughout the country and a referee having eyes in the back of his head to monitor that. So I, I've come to my own conclusion so far, albeit maybe an uninformed one, that it's the kick-out. And I would have everybody take up their positions for the kick-out. And then after that, if the corner forward wants to run back 50 times in a match into the cornerback position, well, we'll see how long that will last. So I, I really think it's a rule change. But when I watch Cork, I'm not there for a spectacle. We're there to win. But then you have to think of the good of the game overall now that Cork are out. And I would say we need rule changes. Do you, think, do you think we're going to see movement in that in the next couple of years? Because you're not the only person to say that, Kevin. Yeah, well, I, 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 Jarlett Barnes is coming as president now in February. And I'd say he'll take a pretty expansive approach to that. He himself was involved in rules in the past and he would have probably been behind the, the midfield mark, you know, and which was a success, relatively speaking. Um, so... Another interesting fact that people might be aware of is counties can only bring proposed rule changes one year in five. So Cork can only bring a, a playing rule change, book two of the official guide, the playing rules. We can only bring a change once every five years. So 2025, expect a plethora of proposals countrywide to say football. Now, that might be the best outcome either because they won't be synchronised or sympathetic to each other. So I I think rules advisory will probably be ahead, or sorry, the rules review committee will probably be ahead of that and try to have some uniform approach to it. But have no doubt I'll be supporting any change that opens up the field more. And I suppose the, the one I go back to most of all, Karen, is the most simple one, is a contest for the kick-out. And it doesn't have to be a 50-50 contest. When John Kearns was in goal for Cork 30 years ago, he wasn't kicking out a 50-50 ball, he was kicking out a 60-40 but I don't want to see a 90-10 one or I don't want to kick out five yards having, you know, gone to see the best fielders in the country and the ball isn't kicked out to them. So I come back to very simplistic approach, the kick out, positioning of players from the set piece, which is the kick, the kick out, and then maybe leave the game, move on, because we need innovation too. And we can't all be anti-coaching and wanting to go back to the old days of catch and kick, because we know that's pretty appalling when you look back at it too. So there's no one wanting to go backwards. I would just love more contests in the field. That's why I go to see a match. I see, I go to see contests. I don't go to see 15 on either side of the pitch.
Bring it back to Cork for a second. So, Kevin, Kevin Walsh was a huge addition to the Cork football backroom team this year. Came on board as a coach with John Cleary's management team. When he came on board, I don't think it was known what the length of uh, of his time with Cork would be. He's after one season now. Would we see Kevin back involved next year? Or what's the latest there, Kevin? Yeah, I expect to. And, and John Cleary has a three-year term, whereas Kevin doesn't. Kevin Kevin was involved for this year. and We sit down and re- review it now. But certainly the players, the management and the county board all want Kevin Walsh involved next year. We just haven't really spoken that far. Because when people travel that far and train into county teams, especially in the back room, it's generally year by year you review it. But we're certainly hoping, I would say, Kevin's already thinking about next year, to be honest, and, and what we're going to do with the team. And, and he was a huge benefit. And he would have been someone we would have shortlisted in the past for, for actually past for the senior job, actually. He would have been someone we would have always considered and talked about. But it was John actually went to vote it and brought him on board. And so John deserves all the credit for that. Kevin, you see, will work the divisions. He, having been with Sligo and Galway, he's a fierce grasp of Division One to Division Four football. So they're insights that not that many people in Cork would have. And I suppose we're very isolated down south as well. And that he, he, you know, when we played Mayo and Roscommon, sure, sure, he knew them the same as Cork and Kerry know each other. Those huge benefits by by getting someone in, and then still having John a Corkman as manager, manager of the team. So you you couldn't you couldn't buy how lucky we were at how all of that came together. It was widely claimed that Kevin Walsh was a shrewd acquisition, and it looks like the Cork GA even had a shrewd acquisition. Kevin, I see there, bench, former Benji Blues footballer Niall Toomey is the new head of games development with Cork. Can you tell us more about this role and what you hope Niall will bring to the role? Well, I suppose there's there's a twin track approach there, and that Kevin O'Callaghan, who served in that job honourably over the last 10, 15 years, he moved to a job in MTU before Christmas last year. And I suppose the fact that we knew there was increased funding coming in, it became a really important appointment and and role we had to fill because our funding budget is doubling over you know immediately, basically. Thanks to increased investment from both Crow Park, Munster Council, and then our own increased funding we'll be putting into it. So you're going from six, seven coaches on the ground up to 14 in the short term and probably 17, 18 when we fill a few more roles. So this is a department that will ultimately have 20 people working in it. So we we had to go very diligently about filling that role because, you know, being a manager of six or seven is one job, being a manager of 20 or something else. So we feel now it has those skills in management from his time in the army and with, with civil defence. And he'd be very familiar to West Cork people, obviously. And now he thinks um, strategically. And we consider this a strategic role. This will not be a tracksuit role. This will be strategy and managing people to get the best out of them. So I, I know, I've known Niall a long time. Obviously, I followed him as a football with Bantry. But he obviously, he wouldn't be too far away from me now in his new home in, in, in Banascarty. So he's done the hard yards. He's coach officer for his club, has done underage chairman, has trained Cork minor teams, has trained Cork senior teams, has involved with senior development squads. He's he's done the rounds. So he would have a very good grasp of what is needed at underage level. So we, we think he's a great appointment. Can't wait until he starts on Monday fortnight. And his role kind of feeds into the, the announcement too from Cork GA that applications are open for eight GA games development coordinators. And they're in, in a, I suppose, in addition to the six GDAs already in Cork. So that'd be 14 people on the ground, like you said there, Kevin, mm-hmm. and, and more to come. So tell us uh, tell us what's going to happen here, because this looks like a really exciting development for, for the whole county. Yeah, and, and what, I, what I love most of all is that the clubs notice it the minute it starts, because... I was like, I was GDA in West Cork back 2009. 
and I had 30 clubs under my remit would say 30 clubs to service the five six bearer clubs and the 25 26 Carberry clubs but look it was great I loved it but you could never get out to each club as often as you would like that ratio of 1 to 30 now it's around 1 to 25 this will bring it to around 1 to 10 or 1 to 11 and that that'll mean for example West Carberry or East Carberry take East Carberry for example you, you can put someone into an area like the Clonic Hilti area now where everybody will be in touching distance of each other and he can run joint workshops and he or she can base themselves in Clonic Hilti school and service clubs around it. Whereas when you go to 20 clubs, you've gone into another kind of geographical area. Whereas I feel now, if, if you if you look at these 14 people and you take 14 towns and a, a hinterland to a town, you've now got a lovely community that know each other that while they're rivals, they will share workshops and so on. So I just feel it makes it attainable now that a club will have a real link with their with their GDA, GDC on the ground, notwithstanding the great job people were doing. But simply, if you more than double numbers, you should be able to more than double the service people are getting. And that's good news for the clubs. It's good news for the coaches. It's good news for the players in these clubs too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And while we will always be reliant on the volunteer, this is to, to you know, to unplug the, the potential in the volunteer. So we know that Odonorasa GA Club will still rest on the shoulders of who is taking the under-13s or 14s and what are they coaching them. But this allows us to give that person a better service. So it's almost the coaches will be getting the better service because the future of any club will rely on the people in that club. It won't rely on someone visiting once a week or once a month. But maybe the person, if they can come more often, can support the coach education, the development of those mentors to empower them to do it on the ground. So we're never replacing the volunteer. This almost is better news for the coaches than the players because our job is supporting coaches because only coaches from a given club can really solve their own problems. And hopefully when all, when all those, those coaches get the work, that players' big ambition is to get up to Parky Cueve and play. But look at a Parky Cueve with a different quote for a second. The hope is that we can host the, the Clash of Champions, Munster and Crusaders on, on February next. That's February 2024, Kevin. All we're waiting for is the green light. So, so fit, fit us in, in the background to this and what needs to happen for Park, Parky Cueve to get that green light. Yeah, so so obviously there isn't permission under rule for field sports other than Gaelic games to take place on GA facilities nationwide. However, subsequent to the Lee Miller one, which you remember caused a major controversy at the time, the rule slash policy was changed whereby Central Council, the governing body of the GA, can give permission to county grounds only to host games from another sport that are of national significance and you know have a have a one-off nature to them so we wouldn't be able to do a home and away arrangement with a soccer or rugby club but a one-off game national importance you can apply to central council for permission we did so for the south africa rugby game and got unanimous approval without question without objection so we're hopeful now that we're back round two you know over a year later and over a year later in terms of the time of the matches and um, we're hopeful of a positive response, but it, it's pure democracy in the GA. To be fair, it will go to the floor and simply council on Saturday. We it will get a thumbs up or a thumbs down as to whether it meets those criteria. I'm certain it does meet those criteria. It is a one-off game by its nature. It's not a, a, a tournament game of any kind. It's one-off. 
And it is also of significance because we saw what the last game did in terms of national coverage, in terms of the spotlight on the stadium. And of course, there's vital commercial reasons behind it as well. We need to do business inside in that stadium. But uh, I think the feel-good factor from the last game was just incredible. You know, so many, it was such a good thing for the GA to promote our stadium amongst a non-GA crowd and to show that, you know, we're open. And if we see sport being played, it's a good thing for, for all citizens, basically. Almost in the story of Munster season, that win against South Africa in Parky previously mm-hmm. was one of the turning points and it got, got Munster up and running and we, and we saw what happened since. But you touched it there as well, the commercial, the commercial, I suppose, benefits for Cork GA. How important is it still for Cork GA to have sporting events like this, to get concerts into Parky Creeve, just to start, well, to keep repaying that debt? Yeah, and we, we look at this in the context of a concert. This is worth about two-thirds of a concert to us, albeit that it's a much less intrusive event because you have your pitch back table the day after, which you wouldn't have after a concert. But, but these are absolutely essential. All our business plans have, have this commercial activity plugged into them. And they're almost like windfalls because I'm, I'm moving to a stage now where we've got to be careful with those business plans because concerts and rugby match are almost windfalls they're not something you should plan for they're not something you should schedule concerts are very hit and miss no concerts in pro park or pocket keys this year due to the nature of touring and the size of the acts that come so you'll see very vibrant concerts in most park and in um, the marquee but they're below our level then you might see another one in crow park which might be a capacity too high for our level we just find ourselves in that middle ground as well as the ga season take up a significant time of the year so I'm, I'm very much for those concerts being really important, but us having a, a, a working business plan to reach break even on the years we don't have them. So it might seem a contradiction in terms that I'm talking about the times we don't have them, but our floor should be not having those. And then they should be windfall events that will allow us to reinvest in the stadium in the longer term. But they're absolutely vital. And I think vital for this city as well. You see there's so, so few major events in Cork City. I think that's why the rugby games really took off is that people are starved for action down south. When you think of what's available in Dublin in terms of concerts or sporting events. So I, I think it's brilliant just even for the people of Cork to bring that rugby match to Cork. I think people deserve, down here deserve a break as well in terms of the miles they have to drive to sporting events. The hope is that that Parky Creeve will get the green light for that game next February, and no doubt that would be a sellout too. But sticking with Parky Creeve for a second as well, Kevin, we saw earlier this year that you got a twelve month repayment break on the date. Can you explain to us the importance of that and, and, and what and break it down in the layman's terms what it means? Yeah, and and that wasn't misreported, but it left out some critical critical details when it was reported. And to be fair, it was off a simple council reported gave a kind of a headline summary, but I can add a bit more context for you now and, and delighted to do so. So Parky Keep debt, over 20 million due to Bank of Ireland, over 10 million due to Crow Park. So debts of over 30 million. We hope to lower that by the sale of Kilbarry in the region of six to 10 million over the coming year. So you'll be left with, you know, an overhang of probably 25 million after that. No, Cork County Board as, no, I view them globally. I view the stadium and the county board as the same thing, but technically they're different entities, even though I, I work for both. They're both governed, albeit with the stadium board, but my role is dual. I, I, I never put one against the other. So Cork County Board have an annual payment plan with Crow Park on the Crow Park debt, the 10 million part, let's say. 
And we have a deal with them where we pay back 500,000 per annum from Cork County Board funds to pay that part. And the stadium attempts to pay back the other 20 million to Bank of Ireland. So we got a moratorium from Crow Park on paying that 500,000 back to them. But it wasn't a moratorium as such. That 500,000 went straight across the road into the stadium to pay the interest on the stadium loan to Bank of Ireland. So it was a moratorium from Crow Park, from Common Lou Class Scale, from the GA, to allow us put that money into the stadium debt because the stadium debt couldn't be met by the stadium due to the lack of concerts. So that was the reason. So it wasn't that we got a holiday from Common Lou Class Scale. They effectively are waiving their right to their money for 12 months to allow us to focus all our repayments on the stadium debt. So a moratorium, technically, yes. But it's not saving us any money down here. We're simply putting that money across to the stadium. And the stadium has, has capital repayments at the moment of 250000 per quarter, plus interest. So you're looking at a million and a half at the moment. That's going to two million a year for the stadium. A stadium that does well to make a million profit in a concert year and it struggles to break even in a non-concert year. So you'll see all those numbers are very challenging. They don't particularly stack up. But we are still meeting all our payments with Bank of Ireland, which is essential because we have a good interest rate. Um, and Crow Park have given us a holiday on paying them back so that we can focus our efforts on the stadium. So that's it as such. So Crow Park have given a moratorium, but we don't feel the benefit of it because we're simply putting that money into bank repayments. You, you just spoke there about, about the difference in terms of, of repaying back and there's still a significant dif difference there. So how can Cork GA bridge that gap over the next couple of years? Or we spoke before, it could take two decades or so, Kevin, to, to get this, 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 this stadium paid off. So how, how can we bridge that gap? Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're at a stage now where hopefully the sale of Kilbarry will, will happen over the next, well, look, we'd like it to be the next six months, but definitely the next 12. But on more than all, I have a backlog of cases now to here. So we're, we're in that queue. I expect after that, there'll be a long-term financing arrangement, you know, considered by the county board, the clubs, the stadium board, our core again, the GA, and I'd expect that there'll be a long financing arrangement set then to allow the stadium breathe and to allow it be met over a long period. So, yeah, de definitely in two decades, as you say, it'll be that kind of an arrangement. So we, we kind of have a 2028 as a midterm review point you know when when everything will be looked at again but in the short ahead of that i expect a long-term global mini solution would say to come a solution would be for the debt to disappear but i'm talking about in terms of solution of a sustainable approach to it because the stadium is stadium difficult buildings to run that i don't see you don't see any property developer going out there building his own stadium and trying to make money out of it i believe they're largely public goods and you look at the games we run through the stadium which would be low attendances, the Camogie games, the ladies' football, a lot of the club games, even Cork League games. You were, if you had a commercial hat on, you were reaching meeting business targets, you'd reconsider all of that. But we have to put on our other hat. Then our job is to promotion and games in the county. Our job is not to generate profits. So there's a dual-edged sword there. It's difficult to balance it at times. But ever in doubt, I always um, err on the side of the games of the community. That's why we are delighted to see all of those games in there, albeit that they're small attendances. But then you start to become a little bit less commercial, but so be it. We'll, we'll pay the consequences of that in the longer term. Is the name and rights of Parky Queef still on the table? Yeah, so we have a twin track approach to that. We're still pursuing naming rights. 
were now have engaged with Druid. Druid are, are an international, you know, sporting rights company, but they're, they're founders of Roots in Ballinhasic. So we're four months into a project with them now where we're taking a new approach to it and in terms of establishing multiple um, partnerships in terms of having an inclusion partner, an innovation partner, a sustainability partner, a grassroots partner, and an excellence partner. So you may have a company and you may not want to write us a check for X for naming rights, and you may not want your name over the building, but you may like to become our sustainability partner or our inclusion partner. So we're, we're breaking up the naming rights package now and we are talking to several companies we have shortlist way into double figures of companies we're having meetings with face-to-face -face at the moment in phase one, phase two, and phase three meetings. And we're very confident that that's going to land and would be a more sustainable approach than landing a silver bullet in terms of having multiple partners on multiple projects. And you know the G, you know how many initiatives there is for people to partner with us on. So I'm, I'm, I've never been more hopeful about naming rights, but not in the traditional manner, in a manner regards to what the name of the stadium might be, but you have multiple partners. As we do already in the county board, you'll see we have multiple partners from Sports Direct, Tony's, Co-op Superstores, Bond Secures, um, the, the league sponsors, Red FM, we have um, Cork Credit Unions, we have Kiri's band partners, we, we you know, so we have several partners there. You think of all the advertising hoarding in Cork Aquive. So we've never been more commercial in that aspect. We're looking at naming rights in that light now. And the issue with partnerships is you can then look at CSR budgets in terms of community and social responsibility or corporate social responsibility that they may have. And you can go a little bit less commercial and a bit more holistic and developmental, which is actually what our values are. But very interesting. We still have a twin track approach, though. But we're still meeting companies offering to put their name on the door for a price. So there's very that very commercial approach is happening at the same time. So we hope to land something in that definitely in the next year, six months. And finally, Kevin, we're heading into the, the club championships, the favourite part of the year for so many people right across the county. When these championships were revamped a couple of years ago, could you envisage the success that they've become? Because we've really competitive footballing hurling championships in all grades and they've found their feet now in terms of promotion relegation over the last couple of years. So it's a really exciting part of the season for, for, for the club players. They can take centre stage now. Yeah, I, I would say yes, I did believe it would be like this because I just have fundamental faith in the games of hurling and football as being good games, albeit that football has some problems that need to be fixed. And I also have a fundamental belief that people will watch a competitive game at any level. So a game out in the front garden of hurling or football that is competitive, the result means something, I think I'll go to see that game. So then I think if you extrapolate that, you've got a good product and a game that people would go to see. So if you look at the things we did in the county championships, brought in relegation, reduced the numbers of teams, gave regular meaningful games in group stages. So I, I just think it's a follow-on that you had you couldn't fail with that model. No, it is a bit tight. And there isn't a day in the week goes by that I don't have an argument with someone about the split season and says, I give the inter-county lads two weeks more, two weeks more, because they, they simply don't understand the numbers. Ask the Nooses Town lads, ask them, do they want to restrict, do they want to <laughs> tighten the championship by another two weeks? I don't know how many days a week they have to play. So I mean, there's an awful lack of understanding nationally on what Cork face in terms of our dual programme, in terms of the fact that we have senior clubs with five adult teams 
and they have to play in reverse sequence. The seniors have to play first before the junior Bs are graded. And the West Cork board are waiting for us to play the senior team before the junior team can play, not to mind the junior B and C team. So in that context, I lie awake at night worried that somebody's going to take another two weeks in August off us because with the volume of games we have, we want a floodlights at the end of September to play so many group games. But I love it. It's the highlight of my time in this job. I just think it's so healthy for clubs to to have a regular games programme. Now, I do see clubs coming to grips with it as well. And people are talking about guys going to America and, you know, not training as early in the year in January. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with starting in February or March, no training instead of January. The pitches aren't ready in January. And for people crying about lads going to the States, as long as I'm in my club, people have gone overseas and we're welcome back thereafter. I think it's healthy for people to travel. And for those in a state of panic now about all the court curlers going to the States, any one of them I'm talking to, they're simply talking about what week they're coming home for the club championships. So if they're the kind of players we're producing that go away for a bit of the summer and their only objective is to come back for club championships, I think we're in a safe place. So I, I do see some of the negative parts to it, like you know the, the, the weight for championship for clubs. I do think playing a game championship game early in the year in the past was very healthy for clubs as well. It made you all wake up you know, if you're the champion in April, it kind of brought the whole club into account. So there's a few small negatives, but I, I, I just wish I was a player now to get those regular games in my calendar, set in stone, build a life around that then and still have a healthy relationship with Gaelic games. So really happy with it. Albeit that we'd always look to tweak again if there was any, you know, in a couple of years time, you might see changes that we would do. Brilliant stuff, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Karen. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And it's that time of the week again, Kieran, where we take a look ahead to what is, I'm going to say, a packed Star Sport this week. Action-packed. We'll go action-packed. There's, there's a load in this week. Um, I'll just run through some of the highlights quite quickly. We mentioned about St. Oliver Plunkett's through to the two county finals. And I forgot to mention earlier that they have a female manager in charge of the football team, Margaret Kirhan. And Matthew Hurley's caught up with Margaret just for a chat about how, how she got this role in the first place and how she's finding being a woman in charge of, of a men's football team. So it's a, quite an interesting piece there by by Matthew Hurley. We have a spread two on Bear Island GEA where I catch up with Oscar Daly. So he's a resident who's living on the island. And it's just how locals are working really, really hard to keep football alive in the island and to keep the, the doors of, of the club open. And Oscar makes the point that there's more to Bear Island Football Club than, than just playing matches, that the, the, the club is at the centre of the island community. The cool camp is held there. The Bear Island Midsummer Run will go around there. Um, the, the club facilities act as the village toilets as well. We're talking about that level. So that's how important the club is to the residents of Bear Island. So I think it's a really interesting read, a really important read to see how important GA can be in, a, in an island community. So that's well worth checking out. Also have an interview with Jack Crowley, who picked up our West Cork Sports Star of the Month Award last week. So he's chatting about his journey from, from Bandon, rugby and Bandon grammar to where he's now. But he's telling us too that he's nowhere near where he wants to get as well, which I think speaks volumes for the ambition uh, and targets that Jack has. Also, we've uh, a lot of photos 
from the Gavin Coombs and Liam Coombs, two Munster men brought the URC trophy to Skibbereen last week. So we have a load of photos from that while we're checking out. We have a nice piece too on Tom Willey. He's the young West Cork striker who scored six goals at the Kennedy Cup for West Cork when they finished third. And he went on to play for the Irish schoolboy side in the in the Celtic Cup. So we have a lovely profile of Tom and he's one of the, the rising young sports stars in, in West Cork. And also the first All-Ireland Robot in series was held last weekend and we had a local winner, um, Emma, Emma Hurley, who was actually on that West Cork Kennedy Cup squad as well. She plays her football for Donnie's, but she was winning All-Ireland Under-16 Girls title on the road in Ballincurrig last weekend. So bonfires blazed in Drina after that. And we have loads more as well. It really is a packed sports section. We have Hardy O'Sullivan telling us what he thinks is next for the Cork senior football team, what they have to do to kick on in 2024. He talks about the progress that they've made this year, but for Cork to take the next step, he outlines what he feels Cork needs to do so there's that and loads more. So as always, Dylan, it's unmissable. Unmissable. And if you don't want to miss it, it'll be available in shops from our, across West Cork on Thursday morning. And if you're further afield, you can't make it to the shops. You can subscribe to the Southern Star e-paper and get it on your laptop, tablet or phone. A subs subscription is great because it also gives you full access to all the articles on our website. And as the club, club championship ramps up over the next few weeks that is the best place to get all your West Cork sporting news so just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie enter your details and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week as always thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast and thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union if you've enjoyed this Please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.